0: Hello, it's Dawn, and this is my podcast, Dawnversations. It's a variety show about real-life stuff, and there's something on here for everybody. So if that sounds good to you, let's go. Hi, Allison. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. Awesome. Um, I wanted to talk first about you realizing that you could channel how, how, or when did you realize that? Um, so I did not realize
1: that until probably about my second or third book that I wrote. It wasn't until I connected the pieces, connected the dots backwards that I ultimately realized what channeling it is, what channeling is, how it works, and that everybody's doing it. It was more of a mindset shift and a recognition than a, sh- a quote unquote shift to be able to channel.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So it wasn't anything that you really had to do. It was almost that you had to undo trying to not control, just to let things come natural. Yes, and it's based on so. When you look at people who channel,
1: everybody who looks at a person who's channeling has a definition of what they think channeling is. And most of the t- currently, generally speaking, it's people who channel either aliens or angelic beings. You know, there's like this other factor involved in their definition and the way they look at it and the way they perceive it. I'm doing something completely different. I'm saying, You are a channel, I am a channel. Channeling is a state of being. For example, when you're doing something that you love and you lose track of time, you lose track of the fact that you're hungry, you can't hear someone call your name, you are quote unquote channeling, right? You are taking um, energy and ideas and moving it through um, a process. So whether someone wants to identify themselves as a channeler, is completely up to them. However, every single one of us is ultimately channeling our higher selves is channeling our personality construct into this, into this physical reality. Um, What I did is I just said, Oh, wait, I need to stop looking at other people and saying, I'm not a channel. You know, if I don't do it like that, I'm not a channel. That was my, my thought process. Like Mm -hmm. I don't close my eyes and I don't disengage and I don't speak weird words. I write.
0: Okay. So your books that you wrote, also, I realized I forgot to welcome you. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> and thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I was just so excited.
1: It's <laughs> yeah, was... fine. It's fine. <laughs> I feel welcome. I feel very welcome. Okay.
0: Okay. Good. Thank you. Um. Okay. So the books that you wrote, is you're saying that that's how you channel is the, the books that you've written are the words that just kind of came to you?
1: Eventually. So there were some blocks in the beginning with my, with, Terming myself a writer. I had some imposter syndrome. I had some difficulty allowing myself to justify what I wrote as good. And so the first book I ever wrote was still in the drawer. It never got its way out of the drawer. The second book I wrote was more of me trying to create a book that I thought others would want to read. Okay, and then so the third book I wrote, which is called Accelerate or Mojo, that's where I loosened up a little bit, and I said, "Oh, okay, so what about me? Am I going to put into this?" And and it's so interesting that there are parts of that book where I had visions of certain things. Like there's a there's a vision of a woman beckoning me towards this um, this cottage or this this house out in sort of like the Netherlands, and I and I walk in there, and she shows me this. Book for lack of a better word, and I open it and there's nothing in it, in this vision. And I realized that we're writing this, that there isn't a prescript to the life itself. We're writing it word by word. And so as I focused on words, they popped out of this so-called book um, one word at a time to show me the present moment scriptedness, for lack of a better word, of this human process. And what's interesting is I just read, I was literally just reading a book last night where the person had connected with their transition to brother and the brother gave them a very similar situation about him meeting an angelic being who gives them this book and there's nothing in the book. And it's all about how we, we have nothing more than the present moment. So some of these things, the validation that you're channeling, channeling may not come for years. Right for certain yeah. situations, um, but that's what I realized. I realized really channeling is the letting go and letting your authentic self make make an imprint, whether that's through words or through dance or through chemistry or through whatever vehicle you're using as a modality to help channel your excitement.
0: Hmm. Gosh, I came up with like five million questions in that whole thing. Um, what What was okay your first book is still in a drawer. You will never release it. Nope. Okay. Have you looked through it? Like, um,
1: no, I probably even threw it out to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what about your second book? So that's actually online, but, but that correlates with a very traumatic um, situation for myself in personal development, ironically enough. It went completely wrong. And out of that came this concept called I need to focus on three things, my own authenticity, transforming fear and intuition. So the Accelerate Your Mojo book is is the offshoot of something that was very traumatic for me in personal development. Something like someone else realizing that's completely not the way we're supposed to be traveling. We're supposed to be this sort of energetic print of ourselves that places itself upon the world and is celebrated because it's different.
0: Right. It's so easy to do that though. You look up to somebody. So you want to do things the way that they do them. And, and it's easy to get wrapped up in that and not be authentic to yourself. You're just like, Oh, that speaks to me. I think I want to do it just like them instead of doing it in your own way. Right. Yeah. Oh. So
1: the, so this book that I just wrote is called, um, the half ways, which is a shout out to the fact that we're all half spiritual, half physical. You don't have to do anything else to be more spiritual. Like there's nothing you have to do. There's no action. You're already automatically half that way. So it's a, it's a nod to how do you strengthen your intuitive connection? And part of that intuition is is woven into that big ball of rubber bands, um, where channeling is integrated into that because when you're following your intuition, you're automatically channeling, so to speak.
0: Okay. So that brings me to my question about intuition. What is intuition to you? Like, how do you define it? Right.
1: So let me start by saying that this definitions are dynamic. They will change over time, according to your perspective, your experiences I started out with what is a pretty common definition of intuition, which is like a gut feeling, a hunch an inclination. And that comes about sporadically for most people. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It seems to come out. um, It seems to be integrated into their life through um, not, not very often, so to speak. So that's where I started. Over time and through my own sort of inward focus, I realized that intuition is actually a third reality in the same way that this interface that you and I are connecting on is a third reality, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a portal, an internet portal that we go into that transcribes your voice and mine digitally so that we can hear each other Mm -hmm. and we can have a conversation. So intuition is actually for me, a third reality, a portal, a transcriber of something that is non-physically and vibrationally focused. Um, It is, it is part of your higher self. It is part of your spirit essence that has your Um, that that has a bigger picture than you through your physical lens, because remember you're halfway, you've got this half spiritual aspect of you, this half physically focused aspect. So the half that you, that is, that is focused in the non-physical lens has some, some tools in its toolbox. It can say, you know, give you a hunch inclination. It can come through in ways that provide you with a, a map, so to speak of, how to get from where you are to where you wanna be. So also intuition is is pure benevolence. It's no, There's nothing bad about it. A lot of people ask me a question like, what's the difference between fear and intuition? Intuition is a loving connection. Fear is just fear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anything that feels bad is a limiting belief or fear-based belief. It's not intuition. So you have to begin to differentiate between what is an intuitive hit, I'll give an example, and what is fear. For example, I wanna write a book. Let's say you've never written a book before. And you, so you have this inclination. It's super fun, and super exciting. Right on the heels of that, you have the thought, who are you? What do you have to say, right? So yeah. the two are intermixed. You have to begin to separate out what is a, it's a loving kind guidance and what is just my training and my fear-based beliefs.
0: So do you, are you thinking that the higher self is your intuition?
1: So your higher, so you're, I look at it as an aspect of your toolbox. Okay. The mechanism it's to me, it's, it's a portal. It's not a person, a thing, a place it's a tool. It's it's a transcribing device that transcribes information that says, okay, so let's say, you know, um, you're out on a walk with your dog. and you know, you get this hit. Don, you need to go down this road. I know you've never been there and you've got this podcast to get to, but you know what, go down this road. And so you go down that road and maybe something happens where you meet the neighbor and you go like, "Oh my God, I had to ask you about this thing, or I didn't. Um, or nothing happens, but then that pushed forward your day in a way that you could intersect synchronistically with something else. Like it's subtle. We don't go, hey. That's an intuitive thought. It's usually just stuff that is transcribed through the kinesthetic awareness of the body, right? Because we've got hormones and those hormones cause sensations called a hunch, a gut feeling, the goosies, an inclination. It can be subtle or it can be um, overt. It can come on all kinds of different um, varieties of
0: cues. Okay, so it is more of how you feel than how how you're thinking. It it can
1: be so when so let me go back to my de- so my definition is a, is a transcribing device. So how it comes through is based on you as an individual and your inclinations. For me, it comes through with thoughts and feelings because I have an inclination for words and writing at the moment. At this time, I, I didn't always, but okay. now I do so that it's a transcription of vibration so the way in which that happens is based on the individual could be thoughts could be feelings um it could be both you know it's like you are a vibrational decoder as mm-hmm. a as a human with a spiritual essence so the the crossover is through you know, the kinesthetics, but also the thoughts as well. It can come through in any, like I talk about this in the book where, you know, it it can be as something as simple as when I was writing a paragraph in the book. Um, I had this thought, get up and make some toast. So I get up and make some toast. And as I'm making toast, I'm led through a subtle thought process that led me and guided me to the next paragraph in the book was to talk about this concept called threshold of believability. So it's it's not always going to be a smack over the head. It could be just as subtle as get up and make some toast. That's the, <laughs> you know, that's the path of least resistance to your next paragraph. But if somebody looked upon me, they might go, sit down. You're not focusing. What are you doing? Right. So, in the inclination to do something that's very soft, it's like feather light touch, could be intuition, or it could be a loud voice in your, it just depends on what you need in that moment and how you need it to come through.
0: Gosh. And I feel like we all get in our own way so often because of the voice or voices in our heads, you know, that we might think, Oh, uh, you shouldn't do that. Is that fear talking? Is that my head just saying that? <laughs> like your thoughts Well, if it's fear, like- it's fear. Like if, if, it's, if it's a thought,
1: if you, so the way I always talk about how to differentiate the two is, it does it feel expanding or does it feel constricting? Because most people can tune in and feel like they're either, their shoulders are, are pulled back, their chest is open, they feel relaxed in, in relation to a thought, or do you feel like you're kind of caving in? So that's how you can tell between an intuitive thought, which is loving and kind, it's not leading you down the wrong path or a a repetitive limiting
0: belief thought that you've picked up along the way, like, oh boy, you're not that great, what are you doing? (laughs) That imposter syndrome again. Mm -hmm. Um, What, does the soul fall into any of those categories? So, again, I look at,
1: so if I'm looking at these sort of as components, so intuition is that transcribing device. I look at soul and spirit kind of like um, if I gave you a picture And in the picture, there was this small, quaint cottage, sort of on this massive, flowing landscape. I look as the soul is the cottage and the spirit is the landscape, because the soul, uh, in my own interpretation, is sort of a dedicated component of this particular life experience. But the spirit is the essence of who you blend back into um, when you take your soul experience back into the broader perspective, this to me that's what spirit is. It's a it's a broader, um, multi dimensional component versus soul is almost a dedicated aspect. Um, you know, like a something that's 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 supposed to be focused purely
0: on this particular experience that you're having. Hmm. So, it, with the world and everything that's going on right now, do you have any? feelings about do you feel like things are getting better collectively? Like are people starting to wake up in your opinion?
1: Yes, because um oftentimes when there is a dramatic shift about to take place, there has to be an acknowledgement of all that's taking place at the moment. And right now that looks like sort of a, a purging an awareness of our our negativity as people and the opportunity within that to clear that out and recognize more of the positivity. Um, And here's just a thought that your listeners can play with is the fact that let's just say percentage-wise that the consciousness that is us is 51% positive because we have the choice, right? If it were 49%, you wouldn't see choice come into play the 51% positive means that you have a choice. You can choose the negative or you can choose the positive because choice indicates unconditionalness. Like you can choose one or the other. And so when I look at what's happening, because um, you can look at it, anything and say positive and negative from, you know, sure. one side it's positive or negative from the other it's positive And it like depends on your perspective, but I see this as sort of like a, we have to acknowledge the, the, underlyings of things that have been happening so that we can get it out and we
0: can make a choice what does purging look like like if you say that we have to go through this purge first like what does that mean look around that's it like look
1: around you yeah that's that's what I term as like the purge it's like you it's like before before you get sick, before you're like, you've got a, you know, something inside your system, you've picked up a cold or a flu. And then, you know, you kind of know, it's there, you kind of feel it. And then all boom, you're like, all right, it's here, it's got to come up and out. And then after that, I can reflect and say, you know, I mean, because if you look at what's happening in our world, let's just say positive and negative, for example, whatever, whatever side you're on, um, however you view things, if you didn't have that contrast, you couldn't make a more informed decision. So the fact that there is contrast, such intense contrast, most people are going, I want this or I want this, right? You have Mm -hmm. to make a choice. And when you understand the benevolence of the universe, you understand that things are always, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it looks like, things are always trending toward positive which is hard for somebody who is totally focused through the physical lens. This is why the the book, The Halfways, is such a great invitation. It's like, all right, for so long, we have denied ourselves this better perspective. Because if you look at binoculars, if you take a binocular, you put it up to your face and you spread the barrels really far apart, it looks like there's two separate realities. When you bring them together, you get a holistic perspective of what's in front of you. I view what's happening now as the opportunity to take a more holistic perspective. Um, we have to integrate this aspect of the eternalness of us—the fact that, you know, generally speaking, overall, um, the universe is a positive place because it involves constant opportunity and free will and all of these different things. So, you know, it's it, you have to you have to swing back understanding that unconditional love is real even though there are are really terrible things that happen in this world and I live in Highland Park, Illinois, July 4th, terrible things happen like terrible Mm -hmm. absolutely like you would never want to participate or see them but they happen and then it's it's an opportunity to say okay where am I going to stay am I going to stay in the pocket of hate or am I going to understand and lean on the unconditional love that the universe has for all of us.
0: Well, I love two things. I love that you say that it's a choice because then that gives people back to control. Because I feel like people feel like there's such a lack of control over their lives, over the world. Like everything seems out of control, especially with the pandemic happening. That's how a lot of people felt. So having a choice to either go about it in a positive way or look at the negative, that's a great, a great outlook for people. Also, your metaphors. I love how you talk in metaphors because it really, it for me, I am visual, and so when you say, "Look at the cottage and the the land that it's on," is it, like I can picture that in my head, and that makes it tangible. So, thanks for talking like that because it does it does appeal to somebody like me. Um, sometimes it it seems so abstract. And, um, I think for people that think things are woo-woo, it's because of that that things seem so abstract. It's like you can't understand it so it can't be something useful. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's I think that's my gift as I used to teach kindergarten. Keep it simple, man. yeah, but I use a play-Doh analogy to talk about beliefs and and understanding what beliefs are and how they function. So, for example, if you had a play-Doh machine and you put the play-Doh in the top and you crank it through, it will come out in the shape of a square. A circle comes out as a circle. So you understand how pushing something through a structure gives you a structure. A blob comes a square. Generally speaking, think of consciousness as that. Like consciousness is this this big blob of stuff, and when you put it through a structure called a belief, whether that's a positive or a negative, you're gonna see the form of that, and that form are your words are your feelings, are your situations. So if you want to understand what your limiting beliefs are, look at all of those and just begin to deconstruct. They're not hidden from you. I mean, we've been, been trained to believe that everything is sub. I have a like whole nother conversation is how to understand the three levels of mind that we talk about because it's actually not at all what anyone else has ever talked about, but that's another conversation. But so think of <laughs> beliefs. I'm like, wait, no, I want to talk about. Well, we can talk about it. That's fine too. (laughs) Um, So that's when someone goes, I don't know what my limiting beliefs are. I'm like, yes, you do. Stop telling yourself that. You're cranking out something. What shape is it in? Is it a constricting shape or is it an expanding shape? Is it a star? Is it a circle? Just begin to pay attention and you will discover for yourself what your beliefs are.
0: And and it's hard to change your beliefs. Meaning um, it's like a habit you know, so it's hard to quit smoking. It's hard to, you know, not eat junk food. So it can be difficult, but it's definitely something that people can do. You just have to want to change your beliefs that you've had. And that's hard for a lot of people. So yeah,
1: I think part of it is just changing the the conversation. Let's go from it's hard to, it might take a little time, but I can figure it out. And maybe one day it'll just happen like that for something. I mean, it could happen. So, we Mm -hmm. just have to begin to change how we approach it. We've been approaching it for so long. The indoctrination is it's hard. Well, maybe it's not hard. Maybe it's enjoyable because everything is a step along the way. And if really everything is supposed to be enjoyable and a journey, then let's focus on the journey and not this concept of it's going to be too hard or it's going to take too long. That's one perspective. You can take that, it's valid. However, you could switch to this other one that goes, Right, I'm going to take this concept of everything as a step along the way. And I'm going to try to look through this POV. I'm going to try to pretend that I have like psychic flexibility. I'm going to move over here and going to see what the landscape looks like when I look through this lens versus the other lens. And just begin to play with it and not take it so
0: seriously. Hmm, that's so fascinating. I'm just trying to take it all in right now. <laughs> okay, so the what were you saying now that I wanted you to talk about the three? Okay,
1: so when people look at at least in my experience, when they've talked about the different levels of mind, what they've talked about is they use the iceberg analogy and they go, the conscious is that little bit on the top. The subconscious is below. And then there's like the unconscious down there somewhere. I don't even know where that is. So that's kind of the way they look at it. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you look at words themselves, sub means below. So logically speaking, you would think that the subconscious is below the conscious. So, if you take that triangle, and with the top being the only part you can see and most of it being submerged, you flip it, and now it's a funnel. Because consciousness, your conscious mind is actually the most constricted point, it's the point at the end that's the tightest. Because as a non-physical consciousness, you actually have broader, more expanded points of consciousness. And those are the sub. And I call it the middle because sub, we're locked into sub meaning below. So let's just call it middle consciousness. So it's more like a sieve. And then so you've got the conscious being the most constricted point of view. The, The middle is a little more expanded. And then this thing called un is even more expanded. Your unconscious is the most connected to your divine essence. It is the most connected. And so, when you let's just say for the unconscious that you've got a couple of life themes that you threw in there, there's probably infinite, but let's just say there's a couple you threw a couple in there, and then you're living your life, you're doing your stuff, and because you're halfway, unbeknownst to you, there are things that are trickling in to this middle portion, and that middle portion is like a waiting zone. We're like, you yeah, know, maybe I'll maybe I'll deal with this. Maybe this is a great theme to explore. So when you're ready, because these are more expanded than the conscious point of view when you're ready, it will come into your consciousness when you're awake and then you can, you can deal with it. You can play with the idea. You can figure out
0: what you want to do. Right. So it's actually flipped. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you have to meditate or something to go there to get your mind in that place? No, I don't meditate. What do you do? Because these are some deep thoughts here. <laughs> How do those, those just come
1: to you when you're at so Target? Get... <laughs> well, kind of. I mean, okay, so I used to teach kindergarten. I'm going to give you a formula that if you walked into a kindergarten classroom, you could apply this. But you can also understand that this is actually the structure of the universe itself. Okay, so we're going two ends of the spectrum, same sentence. Here it goes. When you want to know what to do next, you know, what path to take, follow this formula it goes like this. Follow your highest level of excitement from the choices that you have before you in any given moment. Take it as far as you can take it. You can't take it any farther. Don't demand that that initial hit of excitement or passion has to become something specific and stay in a positive mindset no matter what happens. So you walk into that kindergarten classroom. You got a bunch of, let's preschool or kindergarten. You got a bunch of three to five year olds. You've organized the room with a bunch of stuff. There's some books, there's some toys, there's, you know, Whatever, there's a bunch of stuff in there. The minute those guys go through that classroom door, they're going to gravitate to something that piques their interest. They're going to go to the thing. They're they're not overthinking it. They're just walking towards something. The choices that they have before them. They're not going to ask you for something that's not in that classroom. They're going to play with it until they are done playing with it. They're not going to say, hey, puzzle, you should have been, you know what? You should have been something else because now I'm pissed. They're just going to play with it. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be done and they're going to stay in a positive mindset and they're going to move on. So you literally learned everything you needed to know in kindergarten. If you follow that formula, I promise you, not only is it the structure of the universe itself, but it is the least, it is the path with the least amount of resistance to go from wherever you are to wherever you want to be. Okay.
0: (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) It's genius. So is that in one of your books? I have
1: that all over the place because Do fundamentally, you? if you follow that, not only are you integrating your channeling capabilities, you're you're naturally integrating your um, intuition. You are naturally um, falling into this thing called emotional buoyancy, right? You're gonna you're gonna come back more often than getting weighed down. Um, so yeah, it's it's just just follow it, guys. Just play with it. I keep coming back to it keep looking at it from different angles ask yourself how can i more align with this in my day-to-day life um, and you over time you will develop natural self-confidence you will develop this thing we call resiliency and buoyancy um you will naturally deviate towards your positive mindset inclinations all sorts of things are going to happen you'll, mm-hmm. you'll notice synchronicity it's all over the place there's red light and green light synchronicity synchronicity is everything it's not just a special occasion so so over my time on this planet i've had these understandings and i meant to write another book that's sort of like a you know a, a guidebook, a tome that says you are unconditional love and and so part of my life journey has been you know being involved in situations that are um Atrocious, you know, having a mass shooter in Highland Park—atrocious. I lived across the park from the parade route. I, mm-hmm. Like, my brain at the time was, I'm like, I can't, I can't process, yeah, what has just happened to our community. But on the other hand, I understand that the only person who can commit that level of atrocity is somebody who's so disconnected from the love that they really are. So I've got this bifocal
0: perspective. Yeah, I think that's where it comes into play for people that are like, you know, Ukraine going through a war. You, these people just are seeing the negative and they're thinking, how am I supposed to put a spin on this and make it a positive? Make How am I supposed to see this any differently than the way I'm seeing it?
1: You can't when you're on the
0: ground. You can't when somebody's create, created this
1: much havoc. But it's also in alignment with our um, new revelations of the fact that we are no longer going to stand for that, like you can't, know you don't stand for that unless it happens. And then you're like, no, I do not stand for this.
0: Right. Hmm. Uh, your book title, Acc- accelerate Acc- your mojo. Um, h- how do you accelerate? Yeah. So first of all, I need to tell you what it means to me
1: because okay. mojo has a funny word. It has many connotations. Somebody might think it's sexual. Something like it's like no, no. So accelerate <laughs> to me means realize sooner. This is more of a revelation than anything else realize sooner and mojo is your connection to divine to your divine energy so basically you're realizing sooner your connection to the divine um so so there's seven steps and at the time i was counseled to call it steps i wouldn't call it steps now because steps projects a linear perspective this is a multi-dimensional perspective there's no there's no like start here finish here Mm -hmm. it's more like the students at the center and you get to pick from whatever you want whenever you want because it's your authentic journey Um, so let's say let's do the last step, which is detached optimism. One of the things that we're counseled to do is set goals in life. For some people that works. If that works for you, do it, man. Hold on to that and ride that. For other people who who doesn't work with who causes anxiety and stress, like myself, um, you can practice what's called detached optimism. And that is part of the formula that I gave you when I said don't demand that your initial inclination has to become something specific. A goal demands that, that your initial inclination has to be something specific, right? Because you're you're counseled to write it down. So what I'm saying is don't be so specific, specific if it's causing you angst. Um, part of what happens if you are demanding that something become something specific, you are limiting the way it's supposed to actually evolve. You are actually slowing down the process of manifestation when you're demanding and insisting that it has to become something specific because ultimately you honestly don't know. You think you know. And here's another point about visualization people think visualization is for the point of creation. Like, if I can see it, that's what I'm supposed to have. It's right. actually not. Visualization is not for that. Visualization is to get you excited. That's the whole purpose of the imagination. So, if something's getting you excited, great. But if you're lying to yourself and you're like, you know what, I'm actually really stressed out about this, let it go. Because when you're in cons- constricted states of being, think about uh, something that's like a boa constrictor, right? You're pinching mm-hmm. off free flow. The, the, the nature of your reality is free flow. That's right. how things happen faster. So if you're practicing detached optimism, if you think about what you want, I want to have, I want to go to Jamaica, whatever. Um, find a way to use that imaginary process of, of, what Jamaica is to you and why you want to go there in a way that doesn't ask your chest to constrict And first. Like if you start going, how, how
0: am I going to get there? How am I going to find the money? How am I die? Relax.
1: You're, you're misusing your imagination.
0: Okay. Wow. That's interesting. So what is it that you do? What does your day look like? Do you coach people? Is
1: that what I you- do? Yeah. Okay. I work with okay. women who are usually like people pleasers, perfectionists, people who are into these concepts, like we're talking about now, who are like just love them. They get them super excited, but they want to know how to apply them in in actuality, right? And not just have them be theoretical, but be practical.
0: So tell how to find you.
1: Just go to my website, Allison Sutter, just two L's and two T's, AllisonSutter.com. Um, from there, you can get a cheat sheet called um the five keys to mastering intuition cheat sheet or you can get a roadmap to trans to, I think it's called transforming fear in real time like it's because I had a class for a little while where I was telling like people would come to class and in that class we would show them what their limiting beliefs were and they were like wait what doesn't isn't this is supposed to take a long time I'm like no actually you told me in the email what you're limiting me believe this let me show you They <laughs> will look at the me they're like um okay now what <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I have some free resources
0: um, on my website for someone to get started, or you can just find me on Instagram, Allison Sutter 3. Oh my gosh. I just want to read your books now. Like I am, I'm in, I'm loving this whole topic. So thank you so very much for taking the time. Um, I'll put everything in the show notes so people know how to find you, but thank you so very much. You are welcome. My pleasure. All right, I'll be in touch. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.